everybody to yet another episode of Sestas Podcast, the place where you can learn and get insights about the cryptocurrency industry. I'm your host, Eric, and today we are going to discuss the next Bitcoin, which is a question I get asked all the time. And to answer this question, we are going to dive into the origin story of Bitcoin and the unique conditions of its launch and why the next Bitcoin is, yeah, you probably guessed it, Bitcoin. As always, this content is for education only and entertainment. Of course, this is not financial advice. Before we start, make sure to give us a like and hit that subscribe button. I hope you're excited and without further ado, let's get started. So the idea behind Bitcoin, a form of money that is completely detached from governments, was introduced to the world on 2008 at the depth of the financial crisis by a pseudonymous person called Satoshi Nakamoto. This, you know it already, right? And Nakamoto posted a message on a cryptography mailing list titled Bitcoin Peer-to-Peer eCash Paper. Uh, in it was a link to a white paper called Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system. In these papers, Satoshi laid out the concept for Bitcoin as a decentralized digital currency. And on January 3rd of 2009, the blockchain was launched when the first block, which we call the Genesis block, was mined by Satoshi. The first test transaction took place about one week later, right? And Satoshi didn't pre-mine. Unlike many other blockchains, Satoshi gave everyone a two-month heads up before mining the Genesis block, meaning that anyone else in the world could have started the Bitcoin blockchain instead of Satoshi. It gave two months heads up before mining the Genesis block, reaching out to the only other people who could possibly be interested in experimenting, experimenting with a sovereign digital currency at the time was only the cypherpunks. Nobody else could have understood the tech anyway. And anybody else who have mined uh, Bitcoin by downloading the software, the code to mine Bitcoin was available on the day Satoshi began mining. Satoshi definitely wasn't mining alone. He, we knew that for, for a fact that Hal Finney was, the, was mining as well on like the day after the initial launch. So Satoshi was not the only one mining. He had... Hal Finney, who of course many believe to be Satoshi, who mined as well. But you have to realize that Satoshi mined because the network required a miner. He turned the miner off when there was a stable network that didn't need his mining power. And he reduced his hash rate, his percentage of hash rate, in a slow and steady manner to give control, to give up control. And this implied that Satoshi had a plan about the hash rate. I mean, he knew that uh, if, he, if he owned all the hash rate, that wasn't good for the network. At this point, Bitcoin had no real monetary value. Bitcoin was nothing more than a geeky project that the vast majority of humans simply cannot understand. For the first few months of its, of its existence, it was obtainable only by miners validating the Bitcoin blockchain. Anybody could have mined the coins from the first day. Anybody could have joined the network. Since then, anybody who got Bitcoin got Bitcoin at their market price because they bought it or because they mined it. And if they mined it, 
of course, they had to spend electricity, which bring the cost to roughly the same as the market price. The white paper was published before the blockchain was launched, so there are no insiders in Bitcoin. There are no investors in Bitcoin. There are no marketing department in Bitcoin. And at the time, Bitcoin's market cap was roughly zero for nearly a year and a half. And miners were wasting money on hardware and electricity to mine it with no guarantee at all that the Bitcoins they received would ever have value someday. So what you have to realize is that back in 2009, if you went to anybody and pitched the idea of Bitcoin, the idea of non-government money to anybody, they would look at you crazy because it was a crazy idea and nobody believed in it. Because at that time, nobody believed any of this could actually work, which is why it actually did. The early pioneers were the crazy ones, crazy enough to take the financial and social risk to participate in the Bitcoin project, keeping it alive and acting as you know uh, defenders of the system in its early days. Nearly all of them lost or sold their Bitcoins. And many OG Bitcoiners, as they called, they don't care about the money, they care about Bitcoin. They are here since many moons ago. And yet, don't you think that because they were here at the beginning, they got so wealthy? Yes, they got wealthy, but in Bitcoin terms, they probably don't have as, as much Bitcoin as they used to have. And it's the same for everybody else. Because nobody actually believed it will go to this point where we are today, where uh, a sovereign nation is using Bitcoin as its currency. Today, the market is different. The market is different because every rich person on the planet right now is looking for the next Bitcoin to sell on retail. And if you think that people who bought Bitcoin years ago are not rich, it's not true. Because if you actually believe this thing is going to do 10x or 100x, that is going to increase its value 100 times, what are you going to do? You're going to sell everything that you have and buy Bitcoin. And then when it comes 100 times bigger, you basically retire, right? If you knew, uh, if everybody knew at that time that it would work, everybody have, have bought everything and it couldn't have worked. So because it didn't, like, it didn't make sense, because it was so out of this world, because none of us believed it and no one believed it, that's the reason why it actually worked and that the distribution of Bitcoin is actually fair compared to any other blockchain that exists. And... Every day, almost, I get people that ask me and that want to find out where do I put like $100 into the next Bitcoin with, you know, high potential, high upside potential that is going to the moon, they say. The simple answer is that that doesn't exist. That is never going to exist. And the reason it does not exist is that the whole world now is looking for that. And when they're looking for that, I don't mean they're looking for next Bitcoin. They are looking for what technology they think you think is going to be the next Bitcoin to sell on you. I mean, what could go wrong if I just put in $100? What's wrong after all? I'm okay if I lose, right? Well, guess what? This is exactly what is going to happen. You're going to lose your money. This investment scheme is called pump and dump. And all of those 
blockchains that claims to be the next Bitcoin because of their supposedly superior tech are all venture capital. They're all startups with people in charge of the development, with people in charge of the marketing. Um, and peop- an army of crypto influencers shilling the token. They, they, like, they literally pay influencers to shill their token. Nobody does that in Bitcoin. Bitcoin has no CEO. Bitcoin has no one in charge of its marketing. And that's a good thing because no world currency could be bootstrapped by a group of individuals who sells a token to investors in order to make a profit. That is considered a security and most blockchains will probably get regulated by the states as Gary Gensler, the president of the Securities and Exchange Commissions or the SEC clearly said. The innovation of Satoshi is is real, but it's not so clear about the other blockchains because they pre-mined, because they have investors, because they intend to profit from their token. You have to understand that most blockchains are decentralized in name only. Think about Uniswap, the most popular decentralized exchange that delisted 100 tokens. And while... They say that the protocol remains entirely autonomous, immutable, and permissionless. Well, it's not decentralized if a company, Uniswap Labs, have control over which token is authorized or not. Especially when you claim to have a governance token. So all those fancy words, in practice, they are not nothing more than marketing, right? It's not decentralized if you have power over it. The same is for Ethereum. Remember the DAO? This event in the early history of the blockchain that shook the Ethereum community to its core? The DAO was a decentralized autonomous organization that was launched in 2016 on the Ethereum blockchain. After raising 150 millions worth of Ether through a token sale, the DAO was hacked due to vulnerabilities in its code base, and the Ethereum blockchain was eventually hard forked to restore the stolen funds. But, of course, not everybody agreed with this decision, which resulted in the network splitting into two distinct blockchains, Ethereum and Ethereum Classic. In Bitcoin, there is no one with a master key, no one able to revert the chain. It's truly decentralized immutable, peer-to-peer, neutral, and censorship-resistant. Bitcoin is dominant in its niche of government censorship-resistant decentralized money. And Ethereum is not competing with Bitcoin, but with other projects like Solana, like Avalanche, like Cardano, and others. There are different types of species, and they are not competing for the same market, even though some people from the Ethereum marketing department claims that if Ethereum uh, is the new Bitcoin in some sense that because it is ultrasound money, but it's a lie. The bottom line is no other technology can be compared to Bitcoin. Not because I like it, not because I say so, but because the circumstances of its creation cannot be replicated. Well, that's it for this episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Give us a like, give us a comment. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on all social media. And I'll see you on the next one. Have a great day. Bye-bye.